RadioInfluence.com. Well, Daniel, it has been an interesting day in MMA that I just basically could classify as I did not see this one coming today. And boy, as we sit here on Wednesday evening, July the 20th, I'm sitting in one of my studios today and I've got TweetDeck open up on my computer and I see Sean O'Malley versus Peter Yan, UFC 280. Man, we're, we're getting right into this here on this episode of the MMA Report, the midweek edition of the show. Yeah, did not see this one coming, man. No, when you sent me the picture of the poster, I had to do some double checking to make sure you didn't get got, right? Sometimes <laughs> when you have that major NFL news, people get duped by a fake right. Adam Schefter account, a fake Jeff Passan account, a fake Woj account if you're a basketball fan. I was wondering, did Jason get duped? It's crazy that Sean O'Malley is taking this big of a jump in competition. You know, he talked about if you're going to get me to get big fights, pay me more. Well, the UFC paid him more. And there is only one other fighter that he could fight that is bigger than Peter Yan, and that man holds the championship. Essentially, Sean O'Malley coming off of his anticlimactic fight we just recently saw is getting a Bantamweight championship quality opponent. Yeah, I mean, it's one of these things of like like – there's so many thoughts that went in my mind as I see this. I mean, first I was like, holy crap, that's a massive step up in competition. Second thought in my mind was, holy crap, if Sean O'Malley can somehow pull this thing off, his next fight after that's probably for a title. I mean, and then third thought was like, if you're the rest of that top 10 Bantamweight division, you have to be going, what the F, bro? Like, did people forget about us over here? Yeah, they, they said, what the F? And then they said, oh, wait, that's okay. I don't want to fight Peter Young. That's probably the second thing they said, Jason. Because I do think Peter Young in this weight class is probably the one of the more avoided guys uh, a Bantamweight wants to take on. I mean, he has the talent level to be champion in this weight class. This is essentially a championship fight in my mind. If Aljamain Sterling somehow decides to have another surgery, um, this is going to be an interim Bantamweight championship fight. It's as simple as that, you know. This fight to me is uh, – it's crazy. I'm excited. There's another fight that was announced where I also feel very confident in the result, but I'm still interested in that fight. In this one, very confident Peter Yan is probably going to have his way with Sean O'Malley. But I can't tell you I'm not interested. It just feels like we went from a school zone speed limit to speeding on the expressway. Yeah, it's just like – if you would ask me prior to today's announcement, what is Sean O'Malley's next fight? I think I would have said Rob Font. Yeah, I think Rob Font was probably on the higher end of the spectrum of quality of opponents you were going to get out of O'Malley, which is a top, top opponent. But I was thinking either a rematch, you know, run it back, uh, or I, I, I guess a Rob Font fight would probably be the highest. When you look at the Bantamweight rankings, I think I would assume that would be the highest O'Malley was going to climb. Because, you know, much like the main event we saw on Saturday between Ortega and Yair Rodriguez, O'Malley's fight against Munoz wasn't one of those things where you thought that was a great performance. He moves up the ladder. 
that was very much a, well, nothing really was learned here type of fight. So it's shocking. It's just downright shocking. It's exciting. It screams to me that the UFC is just, they want to put on a really big show in Abu Dhabi. And you look at that card right now, and they've done that. You mean that fight, the the Sean Brady and Bilal Muhammad fight to go along with the two championship fights. We're going to get into the, the main event of that show later on. I, I really do think the UFC maybe felt some pressure to put on a major show. And over this past 72 hours, they've looked at their biggest stars and they've gotten them fights. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Sean Sheehan. Man, I thought he had a tremendous tweet where he's like, man, it's just F it Friday. You know, UFC going out here booking Jan versus O'Malley, Diaz versus Shemaev. I mean, it's like, it's almost like, I mean, that was the big news story of yesterday was we've got a Nate Diaz fight. And the crazy thing to me about the Nate Diaz fight booking is that Diaz can't come out saying, yeah, man, we said we wanted it. You want us to fight Shemaev? Book it. Now, I'm in a way I'm surprised that they didn't put O'Malley and Jan on that Diaz and and Chimaev card, you know, to give that a, a big one one two combination there. But, but you're right, man. They're absolutely loading up that Abu Dhabi card. And, well, the uh, thing is, the thing is on that O'Malley thing is, I strongly believe that O'Malley is the biggest draw on that card. Or uh, okay, the that name, the right. biggest name. And that was yeah, that sorry. was my other thought. Was like. You would think, I mean, like when you talk about drawing power that the UFC has with fighters currently in 2022 of active fighters to the the ability of a fighter to put butts in the seats. Like I was kind of surprised you would have Sean O'Malley fighting outside the United States. Yeah, I, I am too. I don't necessarily know how much he means for Abu Dhabi, but maybe he means a lot because I do feel like what those of it, I feel like the audience in Abu Dhabi is very much in tune with maybe what the American audience wants. But again, I just think they're probably going to get a lot of money from that Abu Dhabi show. And they just felt pressure to put on the superstars, right? When the WWE, not that Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi are the same thing, but when they went to, the, went to Saudi Arabia, they made sure to get their biggest stars to go out and perform for those events. And I would assume there's a lot of money coming in for that pay-per-view card. And even though Sean O'Malley means more in terms of crowd reaction in an American atmosphere, I mean, he's a big star. You know, like I was watching a a, a vlog, um, by the way, and it seems like every single fighter nowadays has a vlog. You see it, and they just always have like a nine-minute vlog of them training. I, I saw one of Nate Diaz giving out seminars that was really well done. But I digress. My point is this. I was watching a, a vlog from Ryan Garcia, a high-profile boxer. And in the in the background of the blog, as he's shadow boxing his room, there's a podcast of Sean O'Malley on the screen. It just speaks to Sean O'Malley is someone that is becoming a celebrity kind of outside the MMA bubble. He is just a personality people know. And when you pick in the when you look at the UFC roster and you handpick which of these fighters are really, really, really well known, O'Malley is one of those guys. And, and there's a guy fighting this Saturday. Patty Pimblett, there's one of those guys. And if you are a UFC fighter, a Bellator fighter, a PFL fighter, you need to pay attention to what Sean O'Malley has done, to what Patty Pimblett has done. You need to figure out how to get in their shoes. You will get 
those types of fights. Well, and think about it. Similar matchmaking. Like I was going to bring this up when we, we talk about UFC London. Like you think about Patty Pimwit is kind of, I, I feel like his team is mimicking what Sean O'Malley's team has done for the past couple of years of picking the right matchups. Like, look, do I think Patty Pimlet can be a UFC champion? I do not. I think there's just there's defensive liabilities there, but his team is putting him in the correct matchups, and we have seen Sean O'Malley's team put him in the right matchups. Like, even if you look at this matchup, no question, Jan will be a massive betting favor in this one, and he should be. But, like, stylistically, it's not like Sean O'Malley is taking on Marab Davishvili here. He's taking on a guy that, for the most part, is known for striking. Now, Peter Jan very easily could utilize grappling, but the other side of this, I mean, that UFC 280 car already got two title fights. You've got the lightweight, the vacant lightweight title matchup of of Charles Oliveira, Islam Machev. You got the bantamweight matchup, Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw. Here's the question, though. Let's say TJ Dillashaw doesn't make it to fight night. Who replaces him? <laughs> if you're Aljamain Sterling, I think you're the one who forces that answer. And I think they make the UFC give him O'Malley. I agree. I think he doesn't accept the Peter Yan fight. <laughs> if you Okay, so let's let's take that out of the equation. If you're the promoter, which fight would you want to make? And by the way, how pissed would you be if you're the other guy in that equation? <laughs> I mean, from a rankings aspect, you, it would be Jan. But I think from a getting the fan base excited, O'Malley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do wonder um, if they have Henry Cejudo waiting in the wings, you know, just, just have him. Okay, so it's around that time frame that he will be eligible to fight because he's got to go through the six months of USADA drug testing before he can be eligible for a fight from, you know, because he retired, he left the pool and now reentering pools. I I think it's it's sometime in October that he will be eligible to step back in there. Yeah, so, I mean, that may be a a plan B, although I don't know if he'll want to make 135, but I, I almost think if you're the UFC, if that situation does arise, you just don't put a replacement and you just put O'Malley on how that fight happened because that's a lot of like ill will you're going to have with the guy who doesn't get that opportunity. I mean, look on the Cejudo thing. I think he's made it pretty, pretty obvious that his mindset is 145. But I mean, I I think that if he had the opportunity to reclaim the 135 pound title, I think he would Dude, When do you think it's the last time we've had like a guy ranked number one, take on someone ranked 13 or lower? 13 are unranked. I mean, we've had situations where there was a pretty big gap whenever Al Iaquinta stepped up to fight for the championship. But I do, you know, I can't, when I think of those number one ranked guys, they're pretty highly protected. And it's not often a fight is made, not in an injury replacement situation where it's a one versus 13 or lower. Yeah, I mean, he would not have been that low, but it was a short nose thing, Mazadal, when he got the Usman fight, the first one. Oh, that's a good call. Though. He might yeah. he might he might have been that five to eight range maybe at that point. Yeah, and and there will be some anomalies of like people who maybe got out of the rankings and got a big fight. Like I'm sure Yoana may not have had a ranking for a couple of her big fights. Yeah, you know John Jones comes back. I don't believe he's ranked, uh, but he will obviously fight Stipe. Um, that you know that'd be a two versus an unranked fighter. 
but that's kind of an anomaly. Yeah, it's. A, I did see this crazy stat about Nate Diaz. What's His that? last four opponents, after they fought Nate Diaz, their next fight has been for a title. Yeah, he's a. It's one of the things he he's said that really rang true on the Aereo podcast. And after we did our show last week, I went and listened to it, and um, he is a star maker, and that's got to be a frustrating position for him to be in. But that has been the position he's in. People have used his name to make a case for them to either fight for a title or just be a bigger star. And in his last fight now against Hamzat Shemaev, that's a perfect example of maybe what he's complaining about, what made him feel disenfranchised with the UFC. Um, I think that the big winner out of this Nate Diaz Shemaev booking is pretty simple. Ariel Hawani. It shows you how powerful the uh, platform he has is because Nate has been trying to get his last fight booked for a very long time. He didn't want to go to the media and complain. He goes to the media one week later, we got a fight. And stylistic, I just think it's an awful fight. I think it's an awful fight for him because it, like as long as Shamir's ego doesn't take over, like all he's got to do is take Nate to the ground and beat him up on the ground. It's a five round fight, correct? It's going to be a main event fight. Yes. The one interesting thing about that, and I, I do think this is a fight for Shemayev to win, is two things. Um, deep waters. You know, and Shemayev performed well in deep waters against Gilbert uh, – not Gilbert. I'm sorry. In it, who was his last fight? Gilbert Burns. Oh, it was. I don't know. Why the hell? I, yeah, I was like – I was Gilbert Burns. Yeah. So he performed really well into – I, I was just surprised because I, I've been thinking of Shemayev as a guy who hadn't fought the top five guy yet. But yeah, yeah, he fought Gilbert Burns in that last fight. And so in that last fight, I was kind of impressed with the the dog in Chimaev in round four and five. That being said, I, I do think in round four or five, it's probably a different ball game. Nate Diaz may have the best cardio in the entire sport because he runs a triathlon and then bat and then you know tests his lungs with a whole bunch of smoke afterwards. <laughs> but dude, like Nate's interesting in terms of he's one hell of a jujitsu artist. And he will be throwing stuff all the time, I believe. And maybe in round four or five, after losing some 10-8 rounds, he might slip on a triangle choke or an arm bar. If there's one guy who can do it, Nate's the guy. Yeah. But by and large, analyzing this fight, Shemayev is uh, a heavy favorite. But the guard of Nate Diaz is something that deserves to be really respected. And it's one of the better guards. And as we've seen Nate Diaz fight uh, fight throughout his entire legendary career, this is a guy who you can't count out at any given moment. He's got so much heart. And he just sees the game differently than most fighters. Yeah, I think I saw Chimaev opened up as a 11-1 to 1 betting favorite. I would put money on Diaz on that. I really would. Like, he's got a guard. He's got uh, a damn good guard. The one thing I could see is... Yeah. The one thing about about Nate, he cuts easily because of all that scar tissue damage. Oh yeah. That does he does a cut open up in just a bad spot that ultimately a a doctor says now it fights over. Yeah, I can see that. Do you think um? Do you think if Nate Diaz wins, would they give him an interview? Ooh. I feel like they kind of have to, right? <laughs> like. Yeah, but, I think you, yeah, you would have to, yeah. Dude, but I yeah. mean, like, it's also like it's one of these things of every time I see someone defend the UFC, like this is another example to show you that at the end of the day, they're about those three letters. They're not about the fighters. 
Mm-hmm. Like this is another example of it. Like they do not want Nate Diaz to walk away from this organization following a win. That yeah. they don't want to see that happen. Like it's one of those things. It's just one of those times. I just every time I see stuff like that, I just go, you know, you just got to remember it's the UFC is about one thing. <laughs> those three letters and protecting those three letters. But uh, but man, it's what great. what about that? What about the the fight? The best fight that got announced though, huh? The best fight that got announced. The fight that I can't wait for. Oliver Mahachev, brother. I uh, I've seen I'm seeing a lot of people picking Mahachev. I don't I do not see a lot of people liking Charles Oliver in this one, and I, it's one of those things of like, I, I definitely see why everyone's picking Mahachev. I, I get it, but I I sit back and I'm just like with Oliver, like how, how like it's one of those things that like how do you bet against this guy right now? I know, dude. He's he's amazing. I mean, the fight he just had, the performance he just had was just unreal. It's a tough fight. Um, I'm so excited, dude. There's not – there really isn't – I don't think there's another fight that's booked that I'm more excited for than this one in particular. I, I really – you know, even Stipe versus Jones is a very exciting one hell of a fight. But I would still say Mahachev is more exciting because, you know, he, he seemed like the uncrowned guy for a long time. But it's hard to pick against Oliveira. Picking against Oliveira at lightweight is picking against Volkanovski at featherweight. Do it at your own risk. It's a bad idea, but it, it's a great fight. You know, um, I, I saw my timeline. Mahachev lost to Adriano Martins. I forgot that this guy's human, but he was human back in the day. But yeah, what would be interesting is no. if Oliveira. What's that? I tweet about this. You uh-huh. realize you look at Mahachev, and we all look at him and say incredible talent. He the lack of top fifteen wins that he has on his record. I believe it's only it's two. I want to say it's Dan Hooker and I tweet about. I have to find the tweet. What are the odds on this one? You know, I have not looked. I gotta I gotta find that tweet I had. Um, and and look, it was not it was not about being a uh, a tweet being negative about Islam but it's kind of. It's yeah. just one of these things that, to me, it's it's a crazy stat when you when you think about him and while he, uh, okay, here it is. Machev has eleven UFC wins, and only two of those wins are against fighters currently in the top fifteen: Armin Sarukian, number ten; Dan Hooker, number thirteen. Yeah, that's a it's a crazy stat because of the the amount of respect we give Machev, who's a minus two hundred favorite by the way against Oliveira. It's a crazy stat because we kind of think of him as maybe the the best guy in the weight class, but you know, the reasons why is maybe inactivity to go along with the fact that guys just don't want to fight him, and and I think that's that's a a, a recipe for for that. But nevertheless, he doesn't have that track record of piecing out you know top five, top ten guys. And when you have Charles Oliveira as, as an underdog, it's really appetizing to to, to take that given the traffic or Mahachev has. You know, we got to play a little true false here, right? What's that? Oh, I know what you're talking about. I know exactly where you're going. <laughs> I know exactly where you're going. True yes. false. A Charles Oliveira win against Islam Mahachev means his next fight's against Habib Ramagamadoff. True. Oh, I think doubt. it's true, too. I think yeah. it is. I, I I think if there's one thing to get Habib Ramagamadoff out of retirement, I think it's that. Yeah, I feel like he's alluded to that. I, you know, I've seen headlines about it. I didn't click on the article, so I didn't see if it had substance. But, yeah, I mean, it feels like one of the major reasons to go along with the promise he made his mother is he wanted to kind of clear the pain out for Mahachev to win that lightweight championship. But if Mahachev doesn't come through on that, 
well, there's some more space in the paint for Nirmaga made out to come back. And yeah, if my life depended on it, you held a gun to me and you said, Daniel, you got to be on, you got to be right on this one. Does Habib ever fight again? My answer is definitely yes. I never believe retirement. I mean, hell, you have got Cormier now all of a sudden talking about maybe coming back to fight at 205. First off, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Yeah. Hey, hey, like, have you seen Daniel Cormier? I don't know if he can cut at 90 pounds. (laughs) Bro, like, yeah. He's closer to 300 than he is 205. Yeah. 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 I don't see that one happening (laughs) at all. Maybe, maybe, uh, I I could see him coming back to fight Jones at heavyweight, but, you know, he all, he also, is a bit older. Yeah, that I mean, I I haven't had a chance to, to listen to his uh his appearance on the pivot, uh, which I mean I, I do like I like listen to the pivot. I mean, if I was going to have any negative thing to say about the pivot, I think it's very much a PR show. That there's there's not a lot of hard hitting. There's but there's some funny things that come in that show. Yeah. But like I listen to Jamarcus Russell, um, podcast, and I was like, so we're just not going to really highlight the fact that the coaches gave him a a DVD of tape that there was nothing on it. And they asked him if he watched the tape <laughs> that, yeah, that it's, they're not going to give him hard hitting questions, huh? I mean, no, yeah, no, I mean, I, so I do Marcus, you had a great NFL <laughs> career. Talk to me about how strong your arm was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely would have listened to that. Um, so, uh, last, uh, Thursday night when it's all CFFC, it was, uh, it was a great time in the back seeing live MMA. It'd been a long time. Uh, been the first time since I, I first time I've actually been into the uh, the Summer Hard Rock uh, event center here in Tampa. It's a, a newer venue, cool, cool little uh, environment. I think the matchmaker screwed up a little bit on this one. You know, a lot of the Tampa guys lost on this card. <laughs> you know, uh, matched up against uh, fighters not from Tampa Bay area. You know, but uh, it was a good time, Daniel. And uh, man. Uh, Huge, huge upset in the main event. Lloyd McKinney goes out there and knocks out Santo Cortolo. Uh, you know, I, I, look, I was, I will say this. I was rooting for Lloyd. I wanted to see Lloyd win, you know, had him on the show, you know, got you know, got to keep those good vibes going of, of fires on the show here. And, uh, man, that knee he landed, man, it was just beautiful. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, when you look at Lloyd, I mean, he, he'd had some downside in his career, you know, prior to his last two fights. And now all of a sudden, you're the interim champion of CFFC. I mean, to me, it's one of three options next for him. It's either A, a title unification matchup, B, he finds himself in a contender series matchup, or C, he finds himself in a short notice UFC fight. Yeah, man. I uh, I think you're spot on on that, right? The contender series, just getting back back on there. And I could absolutely see him in this upcoming se- Have they, they they haven't announced every fight, right, on the, on the season? No, no. no. It so, actually uh, starts next week. Next Tuesday yeah. is the first episode. So he could possibly sneak oh, in yeah. on the end of the season. So, yeah, that's awesome to win a main event on Fight Pass. You know, I saw the uh, – since you were going, uh, I'm and I, since I've recently subscribed to UFC Fight Pass, I made it a mission to watch at least one Fight Pass card per weekend just to give us – just to give myself a little more knowledge on the regional MAC and, and help bring that to the podcast. I know you talked to so many of these guys. So I wanted to to be present and watch some of these fights. So I'm like, all right, CFFC. Jason's going. I'm going to watch it. And I was pleasantly surprised to see that CM Punk was on the commentary team with John Morgan. I, I know he did MA commentary. I didn't know for which promotion. So I'm like, this is amazing. It's like this is tailored towards me. You know, the interim <laughs> AEW champion. He did a good job. I, I like the broadcast, man. Uh, the Lloyd McKinney win was really good. Um, I I felt like, oh, I felt like. 
I I had a notebook and I literally left it at work. I brought the wrong notebook, but the the best guy in the card to me, his name his first name is Mark. What's his last name? Mark Gray. Mark Gray. That guy bantamweight, right? Yeah, Once he uh he beat Sean Lungy, who is a guy that I'm I had heard about about I don't know, probably about a year or two ago. Um, he trains not too far away from my house. Um, you know, very talented guy. Um, but you, he just got dominated on the ground. Yeah. And uh, it was the first time he had gone the distance in a fight. Um, you know, super talented guy. I heard great things about him. I was actually talking to one of his uh, training partners a- a- after the matchup and, and kind of alluded to the fact of like, hey, man, this is the first time he's, he's gone the distance. And um, But yeah, Mark uh, did a good job of, of keeping that match on the ground. Now, look, the, you know, Sean had a moment there. I want to say it was in the third round, maybe second round, and he got a heel hook, and the referee missed a total blatant fence grab. I mean. Yes, yes, he did. He did, and that fence grab played a major role. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, that was, yeah, that was rough. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, that was, I forgot about that. Um, there was one time in the first fight on the main card, and by the way, that Mark, Mark, it's just that guy looks awesome. Like that's a name to watch. Like I, they compared him to Frankie Edgar on the broadcast. I'm like, that's a hell of a comparison. But um, I remember the first fight. I feel like the guy had to wait outside the cage because they couldn't find the Vaseline or something. He was like awkwardly waiting for a hot minute. They thought it was a mouthpiece, but I think he already had the mouthpiece in. But otherwise, I will say this: the UFC should absolutely look into getting this guy in the co-main event. It was his name, Chuck Buffalo. Charles Rackey. Charles Rackey. Oh, yeah, dude. Per, pers- personality, bro. Like, I mean, great knockout that he had. And then he absolutely killed. I didn't think he even see him punking in the post fight interview. He goes, man, you killed that. You killed You killed in the cage and in the interview. Yes, this dude, Charles Rackey, needs to be in the UFC. He, he may not have the greatest talent level. I'm not sure. He looks really impressive here. I only said that because his record isn't, like, undefeated. Like, yeah, I, think, I, I want to say he's six and three, maybe. Yeah, five and three, six and three, something like that. Yeah, his stand up looked good for sure. And he's probably really good, but more so than his talent level. He had a great command of the crowd, really good presence and charisma. He's a wild man. I believe in the pre fight video, they showed some videos of him getting in a like a almost like a bra at a weigh in or something. This guy, Charles Radke. UFC needs to pick him up. Yeah, this guy. This guy wants to be a star. He wants to make money. So they were. He was supposed to fight for the welterweight title that night. Uh, his opponent pulled out. Pulled out of the fight. Like I don't know. Like maybe a, maybe the week of of the fight. Mm-hmm. I want to say. Yeah. So, the, but they just wanted to put him on the card anyway. Give him a fight. He wanted a fight. Stay active. And uh, yeah, yeah. CFFC runs a damn good shop. I was very impressed with the card they put out there. Even with that guy pulling out. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it, it was a. Uh, it was a great night of fights. It was enjoyable. Um, beer stand was not that far from my seats. So how many? How many daddy sodas did you have? I'm not trying to incriminate myself. Oh my gosh! <laughs> let, let, let's just say, bro. Um, it's never a good idea when shots get involved. Oh yeah. And I was hurting, hurting yeah. on Friday, hurting. <laughs> I mean, I made the, I made the mistake of uh, forgetting to take some ibuprofen when I got home Thursday mm-hmm. night. Paid for it the next morning. You were more dehydrated than a fighter trying to cut that extra half pound on the scale. 
<laughs> but it was a good time, man. It was it was a good time. Saw Lloyd after the fights, talked to him a little bit. We're gonna get him on the podcast uh, to talk about that victory. But there, it was a uh, it was a fun time. But uh, of course, last week was uh, UFC Long Island. Yair Rodriguez uh, wins in the main event. Uh, unfortunate ending to the fight. And uh, I want to let you hear from Kenny Florian because I thought he had something very interesting on his podcast with John Anik about how this fight unfolded. They got caught in in kind of a funky situation. It was actually a, a pretty beautiful takedown uh, by Brian Ortega that was initiated up against the cage. Yair Rodriguez had one of those arms wrapped up in, an, in a very tight overhook as he was trying to defend the takedown. Uh, Ortega got on top. Um, and as Ortega was almost trying to get into side control, to me, Ortega was wrapping up with his left arm, was wrapping up Ortega's right arm, and was quickly trying to transition into a shoulder lock. He had one knee across, so didn't have one leg up against, uh, up, up on the ribs, but he did have that other leg, the back of his knee up on the head. He was framing and pushing away on Ortega as Ortega was trying to alleviate the pressure either on the elbow or on the shoulder. Uh, to me, because of the way that uh, Yair had the arm wrapped, you could see that his arm was kind of twisted, similar to an Americana or a paintbrush lock, uh, which puts pressure on the shoulder and not the elbow. It can affect the elbow a little bit, but primarily uh, the pressure is on the shoulder. As Ortega tried to rip out of it, uh, and because he has a weak shoulder already, his shoulder dislocated. Now, I, I think it should be a submission for Yair, for Yair. Why? Well, yes, Ortega's shoulder was probably compromised, uh, but I don't think that uh, dislocation would have happened without that attempt at the arm lock from Yair Rodriguez. Now, typically, right. that is not a submission that is often finished, right? Just like uh, attempting a Kimura on bottom from half guard typically is one that is not finished. But it was finished nonetheless. Um, I had a shoulder separation that I dealt with for probably a year and a half, two years. Uh, and little things would cause it to come out of place. Yeah. I didn't have any medical insurance at the time and just had to deal with it. Um, you know, I know he's had surgeries on that shoulder, but right. again, it didn't happen because Ortega threw a punch and his shoulder came out of place like what happened with Korean Zombie. It was a direct result of what Yair was doing to Brian Ortega. So th that's why I, I would argue that it was a submission win um, for, for Yair, as, as weird as it was. Interesting comment there uh, from Kenny Florian. Of course, that's from the Anakin Florian podcast there, Daniel. You know, one of the things of – and one of the things I love about how we do this in the midweek, it kind of gives us a little time to digest some of the things that happen. And, and the one image I think I can't get out of my mind is after the fight is over and just the expression that's on Brian Ortega's face where he looks like an athlete that is sitting there going and, and having doubts about his body. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a tough situation. It wasn't the only time on the car that we saw that too, when we saw Herbert Burns get carried out by his brother. And I believe Herbert, much like Ortega, has gone through surgery. Yeah. And this is a very sad thing to see. You know, Ortega talked about how he had two shoulder surgeries. We shall see if he'll get a third one. It's it's tough to see because in the lead up, Ortega also talked about how he is just the best he's ever been. Um, the rehabilitation process really helped him out. And I do think when you're talking about shoulders, that is a body part that gets re-injured consistently. And for Brian Ortega, this is going to be a tough process, and you got to feel so bad for him. So I think you're spot on on that. I think when we're talking about 
I feel like the conversation about whether or not this was a submission or not is because of the fact of we're trying to figure out this question. Does Yair Rodriguez fight for a championship next or does he fight somebody else next? And it's one of those things where it's like if Yair had gone out here and got a clear-cut victory, he likely gets the next championship fight. So that's why this is an important discussion to have. And I understand what Ken Flo is saying. I know other fighters have gone and said similar things. The crucial point is Ortega was – I mean Rodriguez was doing something to Ortega. Ortega removed himself from said something. Ortega gets hurt. So you could absolutely make the case that Yair caused the injury, which would be the TK or the submission. Um, two things. One, I do think – and this is me just assuming. I think if you look at the letter of the law and how we decide results – the way that happened, that looks like a TKO injury to me. That doesn't look like a submission to me. That doesn't look like a submission's on and you tap or a guy's getting punched and you tap. That to me appears to be an injury TKO finish. With that being said, the second and more important part is when we're talking about does Yair fight for the championship or not, uh, anyone watching that fight on ABC didn't come away thinking, damn, Yair's submission game is unbelievable. They came away disappointed that we weren't able to see a clear-cut consensus on who the better fighter was. And that, to me, is the big point. Oh, no, that, that's spot on. I mean, and, and look, this card absolutely delivered. I mean, you talk about you're in, in our sport when you're on network television. This is what the type of card you want. I mean, top to bottom, I mean, we had some great finishes. You know, you, you think about you mentioned about Herbert Burns. How Bill Algeo gets out of that submission in the first round. And then, by the way, I mean, like, Herb Burns literally gets uh, a timeout in the first round because he's just slow getting up. How much of that knee or how much of it was the knee? How much of it was exhaustion? You know, and then, of course, we, we know how that fight ended in the second round. Dustin Jacoby, he had a great knockout against Dong Jung. Uh, Matt Schnell, Sumatarji. Good Lord. Like, you, you just, you know, there's a moment where. I feel like there might have been some referees that might have stopped that fight. I got, I said on Twitter, like, Matt Snow should probably give at least a thank you to Jacob Montavo. Say, hey, man, thanks for not stepping in there and stopping the fight. I mean, that that was crazy. Burgos Jardin, that was a fun fight to watch. Uh, I thought Jardin was going to pull off that stoppage there. In in the third round, um, you know, Lamos, she looked great against Michelle Watterson. Misha Tate looked awful against Lauren Murphy. It's I'm sitting here in the office. I'm watching the fight, Daniel, and I'm going like if I'm in Misha Tate's inner circle and I'm watching that that fight and am I going, is this just Misha having a bad night or has father time hit Misha Tate? Yeah. Yeah. This was an opponent that Misha should have performed much better against. And who knows? Maybe Lauren Murphy's just about to go on a one last hoorah and she looked phenomenal maybe Lori murphy's just a much better fighter and she's just improved dramatically but this was a fight where it kind of felt like heading into it misha maybe could have found her way in a championship fight this to me really felt like that is not going to happen and and yeah i i think for tate it's more so maybe a few more fights as long as she loves the sport but in terms of that higher upper echelon you know you, you look at the way she performed you know, a fighter lower on the card, uh, Jessica Panay, who was one of the top fighters in her weight class at a point in time when she was in Invicta, it was looking like a changing of the guard when she took on Emily Dakota, because Emily Dakota stand up yeah. was really 
special in that fight. And it's one of those things where you're not sure if it's Dakota or Panay. I, I feel like it was mostly Dakota. So you had both Panay and Tate kind of take a step back in these performances. But, you know, this was – think about this, bro. You mentioned all these fights. You didn't even mention, like, Ricky Simone yeah. and Jack Shore. <laughs> that tells you how – this was a freaking awesome card. A yeah. freaking awesome card. Ricky Simone might be the most talented or second most talented guy in this card, right? Like, this was one hell of a bantamweight matchup that probably should have been the co-main event. Jack Shore, an unreal undefeated streak. And Ricky Simone, who's damn good as well, showcasing his stand-up and eventually getting that arm triangle submission. Dominant second round for Ricky Simone. Dude, Ricky Simone at bantamweight. I came away thinking this guy's an absolute stud muffin. So, I mean, there's a lot of fighters. I will say this, uh, circling back to Rodriguez, what's next in the featherweight division, because of the long layoff for Volkanovski, I really strongly believe the UFC needs to book Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett. Give the man an opportunity. Give Emmett a chance to fight for a title. That fight makes all the sense in the world for me. You know what's going to happen, right? Yeah, interim title. You know it. Data already mentioned it. Yeah. Like uh, so, dude, so, dude, Volk, do, so Volk, yeah, is, so Volk is so Volk got uh, surgery on his thumb, so he's out eight to twelve weeks. Maybe he fights December. the The odds are you're getting an interim title fight. They're gonna do yeah, you're in Cejudo for the interim title, and Josh Emmett's gonna be so sad. I don't think they would fight each other. Um, because of their their relationship there. Um, oh, with yeah. similar coaches. That's a hell of a point. Damn it. That's a hell of a point. That definitely throws my yeah. So let's go, yo, Rodriguez Emmett. Let's get it on. But uh, I hate interim titles. I don't even know why that interim fight, that flyweight fight. I don't know the history of CFFC. I'm like, why is there an interim flyweight championship? Why'd you book it? I hate interim titles. We have so many. But yeah, I would say we got to do that one. Um, yeah, and I think uh, you know. Also, want to mention Michelle Watterson is a woman of honor because. When Amanda Lemos had that guillotine choke on, Watterson tapped, but the referee, I believe it was McDonald, uh, didn't see it, and Watterson honored it. I saw that because it was on the other side. He was on yeah. one side, and she was on this side. I saw that. I'm like, in pro wrestling, if I'm a bad guy, I'm going to do that as like a, an ending of a match where I like tap out where the ref doesn't see it, and then my opponent lets go, and then I put on a submission. Like Michelle should have tapped out. Lemos, let's go immediately. And then and Watterson should have just snuck on a rear naked show, bro. Hats off to Watterson for her her uh, sportsmanship. Yeah, that, that's another one. Like, kind of like I wonder where she goes from here. Probably another ABC card. <laughs> I, I mean, like it, it's one of those things of like if there if the UFC did go with a hundred five pound division, it would make so much sense for Michelle Watterson. That's her natural weight. I just I don't see the UFC adding another female weight class. At least at this moment. I just don't see him doing it. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, but it, she is someone that they love putting on on TV. I mean, she's been on a lot of Fox cards, ABC cards. I think as long as she continues to want to fight, they'll put her on there. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I almost think, like, matching her up with Jessica Panay might be a fight to do because, you know, she's lost two in a row now, I believe. She's lost four out of five. 
I, I yeah, I think for her, you know, the upside of maybe fighting for a championship isn't in the cards. Uh, Amanda Lemos just was just a better fighter. I mean, in, in round one, not a lot happened, but Lemos is clearly getting the better at the stand up. And then, yeah, she just, you know, defended the takedown and immediately locked on that guillotine choke to get the win. Uh, by the way, uh, as we start to uh, fast forward to this weekend, before mm-hmm. the show, I'm on Instagram. And um, so I see this uh, side clip. One clip is uh, it's about Jordan Levitt and Patty Pimblett. Okay. And Jordan Levitt, the first part of the clip is about uh, how if he wins, he is going to twerk in the middle of the cage. And then they ask Patty Pimblett what he would do. And Patty Pimblett says he's going to teabag him. Here's where it's funny. Reporter goes, can you explain what that is? <laughs> like, if I walk into a bar and I pull 10, pe- 10 dudes, is there one dude who would not know what teabagging is? Anyone over the age of like 35. Because, t- you know, may- maybe people, yeah, I mean, I don't know if kids these days teabag, but like my generation of people, do you know where teabagging comes from? No idea, but I I know what it means. I could I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but this is how I first heard of teabagging. It was either Halo or Call of Duty, but in that game you would kill the guy in the game, and they would still see you, and you would just crush down, you know, with your uh, with your family jewels on top. So that's the first time I ever heard of teabagging, just crouching well, down. Well, Pimblet brought down. up I think Modern Warfare. Yeah, so maybe it was Call of Duty. It could have been Halo. It works in either game. But it's basically, I believe, in the advent of online gaming, that would be the ultimate own to to teabag your opponent, which is just, uh, yeah, you know, I feel like my fifty-year-old, you know, coworker may not know what teabagging is, but anyone so, maybe right. forty would. So I googled origin of teabagging. First thing comes up, it goes, where does teabag come from? Teabagging takes its name from actual teabags. Little pearl snacks of tea leaves <laughs> stepped in hot water of cup of tea. The sexual slang teabagging was first recorded in the 1990s. Wow, 1990s. Damn, so I was way off. I wonder if Andre Arlovsky knows what teabagging is. Uh, you gotta see. Who's the oldest Randy Couture? So then there's a article from, this is uh, March 20th, 2020. The term derives from a very specific sexual act. In fact, filmmaker John Waters was the first to popularize the term teabag in an email interview with Boing Boing, or that is, published in 2009. He shares the following. Teabagging is, by my definition, the act of dragging your testicles across your partner's forehead. This is why people tune into the MA report. <laughs> Hard hitting journalism going on here, bro. <laughs> but like, like the thing is, like, I love the main event on Saturday. Great main event between uh, Curtis Blades and Tom Asimov. But let's be honest about it. those people who are walking in to UFC London on Saturday. It's the Patty Pimlet show. Let's not kid ourselves here. This guy has, in this short amount of time, has become a superstar. Like I said earlier in the show. Do I think he's going to win a UFC title at, at some point? No, I do not think that. But they're picking the right matchups for him. I mean, look, if Jordan Levitt is somehow going to pull this off, and by the way, and if Jordan Levitt pulls this off, you know him twerking will be on SportsCenter. You know it will be. Oh, yeah. But he has to get it to the ground. 
I mean, Patty Pimlet to me has a, in terms of offensive striking, has a massive advantage in this one. Um, you know, there are some defensive liabilities you see in Patty Pimlet uh, in standing, but to me, Jordan Levitt, he's just got to try to get this one to the ground. I'm expecting we're going to see a Patty Pimlet knockout at some point. Yeah, I mean, that's why this fight was set up to make Patty look good. Jordan Levitt's halfway decent, is, is pretty good fighter himself, but yeah, I mean, and, and Patty's got good jujitsu as well. I know Levitt, that's his strong suit. So you you bring up a good point. The, there's a big disparity between these two on the feet. Um, but yes, this is set up for a Patty win. You know, if Patty loses this fight, he probably only has himself to blame. He, and and that I mean, maybe the preparation wasn't there. At some point, Patty's lifestyle might catch up to him if he doesn't show the proper discipline. I, by all accounts, he's doing that. He's working his tail off. He has fun eating a lot when he wins, but then he locks in and he gets in great shape and he puts in the work. But I do think if he loses one of these fights before he takes on a ranked guy, it's probably him having himself to blame for why he lost that fight. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's locked in. I think he's going to get a big win. I think he's going to continue to have success. He's a hell of an asset for the UFC. You have a really good heavyweight in Tom Aspinall who is uh, popular in his own right, surely would get it recognized walking around England, but he's able to get a boost from being on a Patty Pimblet card. Mm -hmm. The crowd would yeah. go wild for Tom Espinoff. He wins against Curtis Blades, but they're going to go rabid for Patty. And, 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 you know, another one, you know, Molly McCann is on this card, and if she gets a big win over Hannah Goldie, her star will also continue to, 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 to blossom. So, you know, it, it's a it's a rising tide lifts all ships. I'm super excited for this card. It's a shame it's on ESPN Plus and not ESPN because this is a hell of a main card. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, that's what Wikipedia told me. So I'm, I'm looking at I'm, Wikipedia. I'm going to take that you're right on, but I just I I'm to the point now where I don't even think about that. Like, because I sit there, I'm like, okay, worst case scenario, I just have to pop on the ESPN app. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. I actually watch a lot of stuff on ESPN Plus, but I'm yeah, going to double check like, I, 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 I want to start. Yeah, it's an, no, it's an ESPN Plus card. Yeah. So, I mean, that's surprising. That, I mean, no, no, you, I'm with you. That's that's very surprising. Uh, by, by the way, like the MMA community, they got all up up, up and roar of ESPN Plus raising their subscription price. Like, why are people surprised by this? Yeah. I mean, all these streaming platforms are doing it. Like, am, am I just sitting here going, like, sports rights are rising and rising? Like, of course, as a consumer, we're ultimately going to pay that price. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm like, e like, and I'm not trying to come to ESPN's defense here, but even at nine ninety nine a month, it's still a hell of a bargain. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. And I think, like. I, I don't know what the going away price is for me, but I I think up until fifteen ninety nine I'm all in because like I, I do in fact love ESPN plus. Uh not only do I get all the UFC stuff, but I get all the thirty for thirties and everything. And as a sports fan, it's just a must have for me. But I, you see you see other streaming platforms and they're losing like look at Netflix, the news with Netflix, right? They're doing awful. Well, I mean, this is a thing, and I think, I mean, look, we're both big college football fans here. I, I think the we are going to continue to see more and more college football games that are just exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. 
and, and I think that there's value there. I mean, look, if you're an NHL fan, you get the NHL center ice package, a part of ESPN plus, like to me, it's, it's just, it, it's the way our game changed. Like I, I just, when, when I saw people complaining about it, I was just kind of like, I guess I was just sitting there going, I'm not shocked. I mean, yeah, it's like, oh man, they raised the price 43%. Okay. Like you still tell me you wouldn't pay 10 bucks a month for all this UFC content you're, you're getting like, I would pay 10 bucks just for the UFC content. Yeah. Yeah. I really would. I mean, it's, it's just, to me, it's been something I use every single week to, to watch the fights and, and yeah, I mean, it's certainly worth it. Would I love a a little break on the pay-per-view cost? Absolutely. That ain't happening, bro. You you know, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, it's the way lay the land, but you know, in terms of this card, you know, it's like this card to me is worth $10. Oh, (laughs) I mean, I mean, look, you, you, Chris Curtis is always a fun fire to watch him and Jack Romance. I think it's a great matchup here. I don't know what ex- to expect from Alexander Gustafsson. First fight since 2020, now back at, at 205 pounds. Paul Craigman very quietly has put on a great winning streak here. If you're Vulcan Ozmir, I mean, his camp has got to be, hey, bro, if Paul Craig pulls guard, do not follow him to the ground, bro. Otherwise, you might walk away with a broken arm. Yeah, yeah that's a... Uh... Damn. When Dustin Jacoby was on Ariel's show, he's like, yeah, I want to take on Vulcan, not Paul Craig. I'm like, I can understand that. <laughs> I can understand that. I uh, I think Paul Craig's probably going to beat Ozdemir here. But, you know, Ozdemir has a good ability to keep it standing. I just I feel like it's going to make its way to the ground. Man, Gustafsson, is this going to be a retirement fight for Gustafsson or is he going to continue to fight? So you're, you're saying that's your pick for who's going to retire off this card? Oh, yeah, I believe he's already retired. So, so I believe, yeah, yeah, I believe he's retired at least once. Yeah, I think, I, I think he's my pick, Jason. I don't know if there's even a, another one I would point to. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, Maybe, look, yeah. like you look on the preliminary card. I don't understand why Ooh. Nathaniel Ooh. Wood is a five to one betting favorite on this card. Hasn't fought in two years. He's moving up to 145 pounds. I mean, look, Charles Rosa. I, I now. I talked to him, and one thing he mentioned, he talked about the training, the, the, the changes he's made in his camp. He understands he can't play jiu-jitsu off his back. He plays jiu-jitsu off his back. He can't win fights, you know, unless you're, you you have to submit the guy. He's like, I've got to be, if I'm on the ground, i got to be the guy in top position, or i got to keep this fight on the feet. I, I mean, look, I think Nathaniel Woods should be the favorite in this one, but him moving up in weight, first fight in two years, really stuck out to me of like, should he really be a five to one betting favorite in this one? That, that betting line shocked me. Uh, Muhammad Makayev, I think is, is probably the most interesting, maybe the most interesting uh, prospect on this card. Um, if you were going to name, name, name another one, maybe Mason Jones is that interesting prospect. Mason Jones, uh, uh over three to one betting favorite, uh, in, in this card. But I mean, I think top to bottom, it's a nice fight night car. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it, you know, after, uh, you know, I, you know, me, man, I love me some afternoon, man. Then, uh, I'm going to a little minor league baseball, uh, living that sweet life, you know, what are you, who are you going to watch play? Uh, the, uh, class A affiliate of the, uh, Philadelphia Phillies. So, uh, my, my friends, they do a suite at the Thresher's game, uh, once a year, you know, drinks, get, food get lit, involved, get lit, watch. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You know, Hey, you know, it's, it's going to be perfect. It's going to be a perfect day to watch an MMA and, and get it on. I mean, I'm freaking excited, dude. I'm, 
I'm pumped. This heavyweight fight is awesome. Like it, it's it's a really good fight. It's a one hell of a test for Tom Aspinall because Curtis Blades is the top five heavyweight. Mike, my questions about the main event are: A, will Blades utilize a wrestling game? You know, if you remember the last time he fought, the broadcast team was talking about how he came into the fire meeting and talked about how he wanted to showcase his hands. I think this is a fight that he's got to showcase his wrestling in terms of can Tom Aspinall stop those takedown offense? What happens if this fight gets into the third or fourth round? But the one thing is, if this fight hits the ground, while obviously the wrestling advantage is clear, the jiu-jitsu advantage is on Tom Aspinall. Like that, like that to me is the most frustrating thing when you watch Curtis Blades fight. He gets down there. It's like he doesn't know jujitsu exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and there, there's there's like times you watch him fight Daniel, and I'm just like, hey, bro, you realize he's just giving you the neck. He's just giving it to you, and you're just not taking it. Yeah, yeah, he's very very cautious with that. But I mean, he's a yeah, he's he's a guy who can either go and have a you know grind it out win, or he can flaunt his power. He's done that a few times. But against Aspinall, playing it safe is a dangerous game on the ground, yeah. especially over five rounds. So, I mean, I think Tom wins this fight. I think, I think his upside is, is a championship in this division. Oh yeah, no question. I mean, yeah. it, it, I think the, the really the question mark I think with the heavyweight division, we're gonna have to, have to see how this thing plays out over the next couple of months. Is like, are will an interim title be thrown into the mix here? Um, Curtis Blaze talked about today if he he believed that that the winner of this fight should take on the winner. Uh, the surreal gone and um, to a top to a Vasa fight coming up here on that's uh, on the Paris card uh, September 3rd. But then we got that kind of that that egg out there of John Jones, deep Amy Ochich. Who knows what's going to happen with Francis and But man, I'm looking forward to it. and also on Friday night. I think Bellator's got a good card on Friday night headlined by Douglas Lima and Jason Jackson. Uh, Douglas Lima, it really stuck out to me about the fact that he's a slight betting underdog in this one. Uh, Sydney Outlaw taking on the former Ryzen lightweight champion. You got Usman Nurmagomedov, Chris Gonzalez. That's a good one. Lorenz Larkin returning to 170 pounds. Uh, the Romario Cotton Dalton Rasta fight, very interesting uh, between two undefeated prospects there in the middleweight division. Jalen Bates, uh, Roman Feraldo, two very interesting undefeated prospects on this card. Uh, I like this Bellator card uh, on Friday night. I like it. I like some of the fights on there. I mean, you talked to Dalton Rasta on your podcast and this over the weekend, and that got me real excited for the Rasta Cotton fight. You know, he talked about how this fight had been booked four times, right? Yeah, four times. Yeah, I thought I thought this was a third time. He's like, Nah, man, nah, man. This is the fourth time this thing's been booked. Yeah, I'm excited to see those. Because those two guys are very similar in this weight class. So it's kind of like the Spider-Man meme when they point at each other and we figure out who's going to rise to the top. And I know Dalton's seen his, you know, his boy, Johnny Eblen, win the championship. And he's like, me next. Um, the number one thing that's getting me to watch Belcher 283 is the main event. It's a really good fight between Jackson Lima. I think number two is, is Usman and Magomedov. I mean, this is a fight where I fully expect him to dominate. But he's one of the most interesting guys in this Bellator roster. I think he has the biggest – one of the fighters with the biggest upside on this roster. So I feel like if he beats Chris Gonzalez at this point, he should only get good fights, fights that make us interested in the outcome and not a fight where we think it's a foregone conclusion. You know, I was just thinking about this as you were talking. Like It feels so long ago since we saw Johnny Ebbon versus Gegard Musasi. It was a month ago. Yeah, but that was one hell of a performance with Johnny Evelyn. I mean, he took out the best. He took out the best fighter in Bellator. 
Yeah, I mean, he took out the pound for pound guy. By the way, I think the Nurmaga Madoff Gonzalez fight is closer than the betting odds indicate. Oh, so talk to me about what you like about Gonzalez here against Usman. I mean, look, one thing is I, I do wonder if Chris Gonzalez will threaten with the grappling in this one, just not allow it to become a, a stand-up kickboxing matchup here. Um, you know, he, he said some things today about utilizing um, you know his reach and, and doing the things he wants to do. I just think it's, it's closer than, than what it has here. Um, I mean, Outlaw, I give him all the credit in the world for taking this matchup. He could have easily sat back and, and waited for the title matchup, and he's now the betting underdog against Musayev. I mean, that that's a good matchup. I mean, you know, it, it's one of these cards on paper that I don't think is going it's not that sexy card that people are just going to get all giddy about but I think it's a very good card I mean it's just it's one of these things with Bellator it's like I just feel like they've I don't know I just I feel like the MMA community is just not as excited as they once were about the Bellator product I mean this main card just isn't that good it just isn't in my opinion there are interesting fights but I'm not excited for this card I just am not I, I, I don't is, blame you I don't blame yeah. you for that and I think I, I kind of speak for just the casual fan. I feel like I have a the hardcore MMA fan. You know, when a Beltor puts on a banger of a card, I'll let you know. But they haven't done it that often, Jason. The matchups haven't been stacked. We haven't had that many good four fight main cards that make me think these are all must watch fights. Usually, it's one good fight, and then one fight with a very interesting fighter. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're all sitting back and waiting for the uh, the trilogy matchup between um, Patricio and AJ. AJ I, I yeah. think I think that's like the fight we're all waiting for. We'll see what happens with the Chris Cyborg free agency, which which is right around the corner. What what kind of happens there? Um, I mean, like, look, Michael Page and is now <laughs> has a bare knuckle fight. Like, I've never purchased a bare knuckle pay per view. I'll be in Nashville on that Saturday. I'll be uh, preseason game number two for me. So I don't know if I have if it'll be on around the time I can watch it. But if I can watch it, I think I will buy that Barrett Knuckle pay per view. Yeah, if there's nothing going on, I might watch it too. We can talk about it on the show. But Michael Page is a very interesting name to both you and I currently. And even though yeah. it's not an MMA fight, I, I feel like over the past year, two years, really since the pandemic. MMA fans have been more open to watching these cross-sport type fights. You know, maybe that's why it's an avenue for a promotion like 1FC to really thrive as they do these fights, the Muay Thai-style fights and the various types. I think people are more intrigued in just the name value of people when watching them compete in different sports, right? When Nate Diaz fights Chimaev and he signs to fight Jake Paul in a boxing match, we will be watching, right? And for Paige, that's the case. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, look, I mean, like, in terms of the, the regional side of the sport, there might be as many people excited about watching XMMA5 on for on Saturday night as it is going to be. I mean, you've got it, it's free on YouTube, FYI, uh, but you got notable names across this fight card. Luis Pena versus Will Brooks is your main event. Jared Gooden versus Impa Kasaganai is your co-main event. Andre Harrison is on this card. Um, I mean, guys up from the regional scene that people would know. Julian Let Me Bang Bro is on this card. Oh my God. Is I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a name from the past that's on this card. Is that it's a guy we talked about a lot. Taruto Ishihara. 
Oh my god, I forgot he existed. I forgot about Taruto Ishihara. <laughs> oh my god, I'm you know maybe I maybe I'll forego Fight Pass this week, and I'll give the YouTube. I forgot about Taruto. Holy crap! His mustache. Yeah, he's actually coming off a win. Uh, I interviewed his opponent, Weston Wilson. Weston was supposed to take on Keith Lee. And, uh, and so I asked him how this one kind of came together. And he said, uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, uh, basically, he goes, I asked the XMMA guys when you know Keith fell out, who, who could be a potential. He goes, I mentioned Taruto because I knew he had just come off a win. And they're like, hey, man, if you get us his contact information, we'll make it happen. And, and they make it happen. Damn, brother. Yeah, I'm, I, I may, in fact, yeah, I may go XMA fight. I don't know what's going on in Fight Pass this week, but, you know, I may give, uh, I know 1FC is a card like a, I know there's a Ryzen card coming up that I'm excited for. Yeah, I know 1FC, they've got, um, I don't know if maybe it's this week, they've got a press conference about their uh, debut on Amazon Prime, which, is that August 26th, I want to say? Is that card? Okay, okay. So that's there right around the corner. That's uh, that's uh, the uh, rematch of DJ and um, Martins or Morales. Yeah, um, that that one's right around the corner. Ooh, we got a uh, we got Cage Warriors, one forty one. So it's gonna it's gonna come down to should I watch Cage Warriors one forty one or XMMA? Well, that'd be an afternoon card though. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna watch both, Jason. Okay, because I've already got to watch Bellator, right? You already got to watch a Bellator. Already got to watch a 17 fight UFC card. I'm only gonna add one more non MMA. I'm gonna add one more to my diet. All right, I'm not gonna watch four. I'm not a complete sociopath. I, um, I'll be. You know, I have a girlfriend now. If I watch all four cards, I'll be single by Monday. You don't want to hit know? KSW as well. I mean, is KSW this weekend? Yeah, I'm on the ESPN uh, I might calendar. Watch KSW. So tonight you've got Invicta. Oh uh, my God! There's an Invicta. And then Friday you got one championship: Cage oh. Warriors, Bellator, Saturday, UFC, KSW, X MMA. I think I gotta watch seven MMA events. <laughs> Jesus, there's a KSW cousin. Oh my God! Oh my God! Well, yeah, I just caught. I just watched all the Ultimate Fighter. I should. I should get some brownie points for that. I watched the entire season of the Ultimate Fighter, Jason. And what was your take? And what was your takeaway? Look, bro. Was it mind-blowing? No. Did I enjoy it? Yeah, I did. I was nostalgic. It wasn't a great show. It's not something I would recommend. It didn't make me feel the same way I felt. But it was nice to to watch it. It really was to get in the groove of things. And I think I'm all in. I think I will continue to watch The Ultimate Fighter. Um, I think when you look at this season, clearly a couple things. One. Clearly, there's just a massive difference in talent level on these seasons than there were yeah. five years ago, ten years ago. That, that, that was my takeaway watching it. But but there are some fighters in the finale that are worth your time. So in the heavyweights, spoilers, on August 6th, I think they're going to fight heavyweights. Muhammad Usman, who I think people are very familiar with, is going to take on Zach Pauga on the show. Zach Pauga looked pretty impressive to me. Okay, Good, I will tell you. Before the season started, uh, I had someone that I respect their their mind on the regional MMA. They told me they thought Zach was a favorite to win it. Yes. This this guy to me looks freaking good. And Muhammad Usman, solid. You know, um, 
he he fought some tough guys. Tamim Muhammad fought the other guy who was part of the top three. Oh God, I forgot his name. Eduardo. Oh God, Eduardo. Uh, I don't look up his name, but he he was a uh, he 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 to me appeared to, to be like the those appear to be the top three heavyweights, and then Muhammad got matched up with him, and they uh, they they struck it out, and Eduardo had a pretty big reach advantage, but Muhammad came in with some overhands. Um, Eduardo Perez was the guy he beat. But anyways, I think Zach Paga is the name at heavyweight to look at. And then um, I guarantee you if you talk to the regional scene, they wouldn't have told you this name because she only has a 2-1 record, but she made it to the finals. Juliana Miller. Yeah. She's going up against Brogan Walker. Brogan Walker probably will be the favorite because she's technically more impressive striker. But Juliana Miller, she reminds me of Nate Diaz a little bit. All right. Okay. A very interesting personality. She has star potential in terms of marketability. Um, because of her personality and most importantly, her fight style is very awesome. She just goes forward nonstop, bro. Boom, boom, boom. Doesn't give a crap. She takes on better fighters on the feet, but because of her pressure and because of her heart and attitude, she makes fights interesting. Juliana Miller won me over on this season. So Juliana Miller name to watch two and one made it to the finale. Uh, the other thing I'll mention about uh, Frankie Ayer came out saying he wants to retire my fight at MSG. He mentions Dominic Cruz. I'm like, hey, bro, you realize Dominic's got like a top five fight coming up here against Marlon Vera. I'm sitting there going, if he wins that fight, he doesn't want to fight you. Like, no. you do not fit his narrative of getting to the title. No, maybe Frankie should fight BJ Penn. But uh, he deserves he deserves a, you know, a good goodbye. I don't know. Maybe is Gray Maynard out there? Can he I- come out for one last dance? You know how this is going to work, man. They're going to put him in against a young killer. No, that would suck. I, I don't want to see that. Maybe uh, Miguel Torres. Let's get Miguel Torres out of out of retirement. Maybe uh, I don't want to see him. What if did Frankie ever fight Uriah Faber? Yeah, didn't they fight in uh, <laughs> in did. Macau? Yeah. And, yeah. and Frankie won on me. I th- I'm pretty yeah. sure. I'm pretty sure Frankie won that fight. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just trying to think of like legends. Uh, they definitely fought. Uh, I, I, I'm just looking at the top 15 and like, Oh dude, don't look at the top 15. That's dangerous stuff. I mean, don't do that to Frankie. I mean, like, look, I get why Fr- now look, if Dominic loses the next fight. Okay. Makes sense at that point. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think Dominic Cruz is going to be interested in fighting Frankie Edgar because he's got title aspirations. Yeah, I agree with you. I, uh, what about uh, what about Frankie versus Cody Garbrandt? I think that's a fight you should do. They should do, you know. I wonder if uh, Ali would go for that because they're both represented by Ali. Oh, are they? Oh shit! Shoot, that's a huh. because those two guys are just very similar in terms of like, bro, they need to win. Like, <laughs> they need to win big time. And for the UFC, you know, they they want Cody to do well. And if he happens to beat Frankie, that's great for him. I don't think he would beat Frankie. I don't think so. It, it, that would be a good rebound fight for Cody, though. Because mm-hmm. really then you're not you're not really fighting a you know a quote unquote stone cold killer when it comes to knockout power. And we we've seen you know Cody obviously have have the struggles with with getting KO'd. I mean, I, I think from a it makes sense, but like. If you're the UFC, I mean, obviously, Frankie Edgar's a Hall of Famer, no question about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you give him the type of fight that's going to make him go out on top, or do you try to give him a young gun? 
Honestly, I would probably go with the former because I don't know what beating Frankie Edgar now does for does for a young gun. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's a great point. I don't know if it does a lot. I'll I'll end it on, on one last point. Um, I just thought of when I was watching the Ultimate Fighter, and I was watching WWE Monday Night Raw. Okay. I was thinking of this. The UFC really screwed up when they didn't make Matt Riddle into a star. Matt Riddle is like the number three wrestler in WWE in terms of popularity. And I remember watching season seven of The Ultimate Fighter and thinking, this guy's funny. This guy's good. I'm a fan of Matt Riddle. And it's like, bruh, Matt Riddle is a major professional wrestling star. The UFC had him. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't do anything with him. I just thought of that. I was like, damn. Damn. They would they would kill to have Matt Riddle fight for them now. But yeah. He won't. Well, I mean, you know, he, he, he had the... Uh, yeah, he had the drug stuff, yeah. the weed stuff, which... I mean, do they, they don't really test for that no more, no, right? No, they don't, no. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things that if you had today's um, regulations on cannabis in, in combat sports, maybe Matt Riddle, Riddle never maybe, exits the UFC. Maybe Matt Riddle fights Nate Diaz when Nate Diaz starts his own promotion. Dude, think I mean, about this, man. You got, you got Matt Riddle, then you got Jimmy Smith, and the UFC just let go, and he's a lead announcer. On Raw. Yeah. Yeah. And from all indications, he's killing it. He is, man. He, I was really scared for him. I wasn't, I didn't like it at first, but he's doing a great job, man. I watched the first hour of Raw this past Monday and he fits right in, dude. Shout out to Jimmy Smith. That's a really hard job. So Raw was here in Tampa. It was a clear indication of, I've got a lot of friends who like watching professional wrestling. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Just going down my timeline. Oh, they were there. They were there. They were there. Yeah. Yeah, man. Hey. Well, you know, it's a, you know, but Tampa's a pretty hot place for pro wrestling. I mean. No, no, it is. Funny funny you speak of that. My buddy was out uh, last Saturday night, and he's at this uh, place, and and he goes, he's like, I ended up starting talking to this guy, and then all of a sudden I realize, oh, shit, that's Bray Wyatt I'm talking to. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, I, I hate it. This dude's like he, he took, I tell you what, he took the picture. It looks like Bray has slimmed down a little bit. Hell yeah, man. Good deal. Yeah, Bray, used, yeah. To, Bray used to come to the gym I go to. Uh, him and Seamus would always come in together. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's a, uh, I mean, a lot of guys chill there, but dude, it goes back to the old days. I mean, they used to run the, Tampa was a big place for uh, Eddie Graham, the old Florida wrestling promoter. Well, you remember uh, before they did the performance center in Orlando, NXT was based out of Tampa. I mean, mm-hmm. literally the the place they they did all the training, did all the shows, was literally the, ten minutes from my house for the Florida Championship Wrestling. Right? Yeah. yeah, and you know Hogan, big name in Tampa. I mean, there's so many. You know, it's a uh, it's a beautiful place to live, Jason. It is. I mean, it's hot as hell at this point, but dude, yeah. it's hot as hell everywhere. It's hot as hell in England. <laughs> it's hot as hell. Yeah, I mean, damn, bro. Yeah, I was seeing that. Yeah, in England, they were talking about how how hot it is and. I heard Bisping talk about it on his podcast. It's like basically like a hundred over a hundred degrees. Yeah. The funny thing is he's on the podcast talking about um what it's in Celsius and Anthony Smith goes, Can you tell me what that's in a normal people temperature? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did see all the headlines where it was like it's gonna be forty degrees Celsius or thirty eight degrees Celsius, and I'm like, I don't know. That means nothing to, that is. means nothing to me. Yeah, I don't know. I truly don't know how big a video that is. It appears to be a big deal. I've seen the men with the uh, the tall hats get water served to them, but I don't know how hot this is. 
But yeah, man, apparently, you know, apparently a lot of people don't have AC there. Yeah, like, that's what Bisping was talking about. I guess, like you said, um, homes where you don't have AC. I was like, dude, that I, sounds like a horror movie. I couldn't imagine that, bro. No. Oh, good lord! As high as here in Florida, high as in Texas. Oh God, I could not imagine yeah. that. Yeah. I about, would... one, about one hundred four degrees today, one hundred five degrees today. Oof. Uh, yeah, it was like the other day. I walked outside. I was like, "Holy crap, it's hot!" I get to get to the car, and like, I'm like, "This car cannot cool down quick enough." Yeah, I wish I had one of those cars you can turn on when you when you uh, are walking towards it. Because yeah, the, the, that first uh, minute thirty seconds. Is truly a test of will, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah, man, I, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on that one. But that is going to do it for this edition of the MA Report Podcast. Appreciate everyone taking time out of your day, to download and listen to this episode. And of course, uh, of course, great way to show your support for the show: subscribe, rate, review. Really does help us out a lot as well. So that's going to do it for this edition of the MA Report Podcast, which comes out two times a week on Sundays and on Wednesdays on your favorite podcasting platform and RadioInfluence.com. <laughs> <laughs>